0: The first hearing in this urgent petition was scheduled three weeks after we submitted the petition. This is unreasonable, because generally in these urgent petitions, you have a hearing within two, three days. And we were surprised here that the hearing was scheduled three weeks. Imagine what go what the family goes through, that they have to wait three weeks in order to have the first hearing. And this also might be an indication of where the court is going because if they will, if they're scheduling an urgent petition uh, for three weeks, this might indicate that they don't really see it as a very urgent issue.
1: Welcome to This is Palestine. I'm Deanna Butu. In today's episode, we speak to Sowson Zahar, an attorney at Hadala, a Haifa-based NGO focusing on the rights of Palestinians in Israel. Salson will speak to us today about her upcoming hearing before the Israeli Supreme Court in which she seeks the release of the body of Ahmed Arakat, a Palestinian man killed by Israeli soldiers at a checkpoint over a month ago. After being shot Ahmed was left to die with Israeli soldiers denying medical treatment for over an hour, even though an ambulance had been called to the scene. Moreover, Israel continues to hold on to the body of Ahmed, denying his family the ability to bury him and to say their final goodbyes. Israel has a long history of post-mortem punishment of Palestinians, whether by holding on to Palestinians, burying them in unmarked graves, or degrading handling of their remains. Over the decades, we've seen that Israel has enacted various laws to allow them to continue to withhold Palestinian bodies and impose restrictions on their funerals as a means of controlling Palestinians, not only in life, but also in death. Thank you very much, Selsen, for your time. We really appreciate it. I know that you have a hearing coming up this week in regard to the release of uh, Palestinian bodies. Can you tell us about the nature of this of this case and about the cases in general?
0: So the hearing will be uh, held in our uh, petition that we submitted on behalf of the father of uh, Ahmad Arikat, who was killed on the 23rd of June by uh, the Israeli border police, uh, alleging that he attempted to uh, have a security attack against the soldiers on the checkpoint in Abu Dis. Uh, We still don't know what went on. But the issue and the remedy that we are demanding uh, before the court is to order the state basically to release the body of Ahmad I'riqat. This is not the first time that the Israeli police or even army or Israeli authorities in general hold the bodies and refuse to release them for burial in dignity uh, by their families. And this is not a new issue as well before the Israeli Supreme Court. Uh, The issue became a principal constitutional issue, especially after the Third Intifada or the Knives Intifada in 2015, where several Palestinian uh, young uh, men were uh, killed, uh, executed basically in cold blood and left to bleed until their death in the street without providing medical health as well or medical treatment especially like the uh, situation, circumstances that happened as well with Ahmad, And what happened in 2015 and 2016 is that all the bodies of these martyrs basically were kept and held by the Israeli authorities while refusing to release them for burials. And as a result, there were uh, several petitions that were submitted to the Supreme Court that basically led to uh, the first uh, principal decision by the Supreme Court, by three judges where the Supreme Court basically held that there is no authority that provides a permission, that brings a permission and authority to the Israeli authorities to hold bodies and all bodies should be released. That was in December 2017. Basically, the legal arguments uh, were based on the fact that the legal uh, source of holding the bodies were the emergency regulation from 1945, which as we all know are from the British mandate era, uh, and they are not an Israeli law, but still the Israelis use them uh, on specific issues, including in the or mainly in the West Bank, and among them claiming that they have authority based Based on the regulation laws from or emergency regulations from 1945 to hold the bodies, and the legal uh, uh, discussion and controversy before the court was that the language of these emergency regulation does not provide clear and detailed permission and authority to hold the bodies. And the Supreme Court said it doesn't. So what happened is that for as well political reasons, back then in December or in January 2018, Ayelet Shaked was the Ministry of uh, uh, Justice. Uh, And she basically threatened uh, to bypass the court decision. She asked to freeze the implementation of the decision, which means freezing the release of the bodies. And she wanted back then to amend the law and have a detailed new Israeli law that gives the authority in order to bypass the court decision. Instead, the state uh, basically uh, submitted an additional hearing. And when there is a request for an additional hearing, this means that the party who is asking for additional hearing is claiming that there is a very unique constitutional, important question or a political question uh, that basically changes the legal precedent from years ago. And uh, the court accepted, and when they accept, they sit in a wider panel of at least seven to nine judges. And in this case, they had a wider panel of nine judges, which sat again to hear the additional hearing. And then suddenly in September, 2019, they come and decide the Supreme Court in nine judges that indeed there is authority within the emergency regulation from 1945 to enable the Israeli authorities to hold the bodies. And basically there was a zigzag and the Supreme Court in the second decision said that the first decision was mistaken, was incorrect, so they provided the authority. Now, so basically the question is what will happen in Ahmed Ali case? If the court in a white panel said that there is authority what we have basically to do when you lose a case is to check whether there are some windows left in the decision and you want to make usage and advantage of these windows so that the you know that you can be able to use them and we found that the window in this case in the decision was that the court got reached its decision based on the fact that the government submitted to it an updated decision where they say that we will hold the bodies in two main cases, or in two main uh, circumstances. First, that the person who was killed, the martyr, uh, belongs to Hamas. Clearly, they say that. And the second, if if the incident was severe, There's no interpretation on on what a severe event is, but it's likely that people meaning Jews, Israelis were dead in the security attack. And so what we are doing here is to say, because this is our only chance to release the body of Ahmad Arikat, is to say that this cabinet governmental decision doesn't apply here because he doesn't meet with the criteria and therefore the decision, the second decision in the additional hearing of the Supreme Court basically doesn't apply and therefore there is no authority. This is the only way for us to uh, deal legally. Of course, this doesn't mean that there are other paths uh, to work on, like international advocacy, like uh, grassroots, like lobbying, uh, and and other kind of things, media-wise, campaigning-wise. But on the legal side, this is basically
1: the a path that we are adopting. So, uh, Sousan, how many people are we talking about here? How many bodies is it that we are talking about?
0: Now we're talking about between 64 to 65 bodies that are being held with the Israelis. I also would like again to emphasize that uh, despite the fact that we're talking about 65 bodies from 2015, since 2015, but there are still bodies that have been buried by Israel in what is called the numbers cemeteries. So basically that still the families didn't get confirmation that this specific number of grave is their sons or their daughters. Uh, we're talking about graves from the 1950s and 1960s onwards, but uh, this is kind of a, a another type of cases that they are not in the core of the hearing on Wednesday. And the second type is what I said of holding bodies of maritors that were killed in 20, since 2015
1: onwards. And what is it that they are waiting for? Why are they continuing to hold these these people? Why?
0: Well, there are several reasons. Uh, I think that first of all, political reasons. Uh, I think that uh, with this political right-wing government, a release of a body of someone who allegedly attempted to have a security attack, of course, we still don't know because we don't know that like there was no investigation, we don't know the results, but that's at least what uh, uh, the Israeli authorities claim. So from their side politically, they know that if they will release the body and adopt kind of an uh, easy, soft uh, attitude towards the family, they will be attacked by the right wing. Uh, second of all, probably it's from their side deterrence, deterrence for other families that this is what will happen uh, in case your uh, daughter, your son uh, uh, commits uh, a similar attack. But again, of course, there is no. Yani I, I don't need to say that there is no moral basis for this. In addition to the fact that the international law, as well, on the one hand, doesn't prohibit the holding of the bodies, but on the other hand, basically there is nothing that permits. So probably as well because the international law uh, didn't expect uh, such circumstances that will, that bodies will be held by the other party, by the second party. So there's no prohibition, but there's no permission. So you can basically conclude that there's nothing that allows Uh, the holding of the body, in addition to the fact that uh, the debate currently among uh, international legal scholars is whether holding a body constitutes uh, torture and inhumane acts towards the uh, dead person as well as the family. And the controversy here is that whether the Convention Against Torture, uh, which is the International Convention Against Torture, uh, applies on people or not but there are like two perspectives and we adopt the one that does apply. So are you hopeful for this upcoming hearing? I'm practical. Uh, Of course we don't lose hope, we never lose hope but on the other hand we're practical. We know that we are arguing before the Israeli Supreme Court uh, which is not easy and we know that politics especially in these cases, is very much intertwined with law or even prevails the law. Uh, also knowing that, you know, most of the judges are not liberal judges. Uh, you have settlers on the uh, in the Supreme Court, uh, even though we think that the current panel that we are going to appear before is more reasonable than, you know, other panels of judges. But on the other hand, we're still like the fact that Uh, the first hearing in this urgent petition was scheduled three weeks after we submitted the petition, this is unreasonable. Because generally in these urgent petitions, you have a hearing within two, three days. And we were surprised here that the hearing was scheduled three weeks. Imagine what what the family goes through, that they have to wait three weeks in order to have the first hearing. And this also might be an indication of where the court is going, because if they are scheduling an urgent petition uh, for three weeks, this might indicate that they don't really see it as a very urgent issue. But I don't want to get conclusions uh, very early. I always prefer um, to wait for the court. I think that the minute that the judges enter and they start asking their first questions, is the right timing for me to anticipate where they are going to. Uh, Until then, we need to prepare. (laughs) Thank
1: you very much, Saussam. Thank you for listening to This is Palestine. A podcast brought to you by the Institute for Middle East Understanding. The IMEU is a nonprofit focused on giving you access to untold stories, facts, and expert sources on all things Palestine. For more information, please visit our website at www.imeu.org and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the IMEU. Please don't forget to subscribe. I'm Deanna Butu. Thanks for listening.